This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Bonnie, who during her near-death experience went to Orion's Belt with extraterrestrials, and today we're going to learn about it. Bonnie, thank you for joining me today, and welcome. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bonnie, I think you need to give us a little backstory right before your NDE, so can we start with that? Yes, yes. Um, I am a person who's had um, NDE exposure, not NDE, I'm sorry, alien exposure, UFO exposure since I was a little girl. And uh, my father was in the Air Force. And um, this is a whole other story. Um, but he worked during the Vietnamese War. Uh, he was an engineer. And he developed some ammunition, missiles, and rockets. And so he had uh, interventions. And uh, he was flown to Washington, debriefed, told never to speak about those things ever again. And um, the Project Blue Book visited our home. And so the person that my father vented to was me, who I would hang out in the garage with him when I was like six, seven, eight, nine years old. And he would um, vent, uh, not really thinking that I was there and that I would remember anything, but I remember most of it. And so um, these beings that came to visit him, they would come in through our house at night and they would visit him and I would get in their way. And uh, actually my daughter, 20 years after mine, also had a visitation from them in the same house. Um, and these beings were extremely uh, unfriendly. They were not nice. Um, and they were very tall, very lean, and um, that's a whole nother story. And so that is my entrance into understanding or being around UFOs uh, and extraterrestrial knowledge. I thought everybody had that. And I went to school third or fourth grade and I did a book report, which included Project Blue Book. Now I'm 70 years old, so we're talking 60 some odd years ago, okay, that I went to school and gave this book report. And I remember my teacher said to me, where did you get that information? And I said, I got it from my father. And everybody have this information? You know, I just thought, every, I thought we all lived like this, you know. And so that was my uh, introduction into understanding that uh, there's something beyond us. All right. So then let's move forward to your NDE. Okay. So my NDE, I said I was 70. It occurred, I believe, on the 66. It happened in 2019. And um, <clears throat> I had followed ufology. I've always been a lover of ufology. And I was telling Jeff before I could, I could take pictures. I could go outside. I could see them immediately. Um, and so they've always been a 
huge interest of mine. And um, so uh, in 2018, I went to work as a nurse. I'm a registered nurse. And I worked, went to work for um, a place that I was going to retire the rest of my life at. And I was really looking forward to it. Well, I am uh, allergic to a lot of medications. And um, I don't say this because I'm an anti-vaxxer. That's your business. This is mine, and it has nothing to do with that, okay? So before the pandemic happened, I had a flu injection, and within one week, both eyes were dilated, and my body started swelling, and within two months, I had a near-death experience. And um, the near-death experience happened on, as I recall, on uh, February the 8th, 2019, about 11.30 at night. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, David Monroe, who's an astrologer, he did my chart and he said, yes, it occurred at that time. Um, but according to my son and my daughter, I spoke to them the next morning and they called 911 and emergency came out and took me to the hospital. Now, at that point, I'm gone. I, I, I don't remember anything since the 8th. I'm, I'm flat out on the floor. I mean, I, before I hit the ground, I was gone. I was deceased. Um, and so my oxygen stopped and my pulse stopped. I had nothing for a very long time. And so my son and daughter um, get me in the ambulance and they're doing CPR. And um, um, according to my son, it took them over an hour to get me to the hospital, which is 12 miles from my house. He said they'd stop and give me CPR. And, and in the process of all of it, they fractured my neck and they twisted my spine. So I have a little difficulty now. But um, anyway, I um, I went without oxygen to the brain for over 30 minutes. The uh, medical reports say 30 minutes, but it had been longer than that. Um, I went without oxygen and I went without a pulse. And I tell that to people because I'm a nurse. And um, when you go without those things, you lose tissue to the brain and to the body. And so my tissue started dying. I also had a myocardial infarction. I had an anaphylactic shock and myocardial infarction. And um, so the tissue starts to die. And when your tissue dies, you get a brain injury, which I have now. And also, <laughs> I, don't, I, I make fun of this stuff, but you have to. <clears throat> also, um, my leg, my left leg is totally numb. I have no feeling in my upper left leg at all. And both knees and legs are gone. I mean, I just have no feeling. And that happened from the no oxygen. And I talk about there's near death, and there is a near death, and then there's death. And I crossed over into the death end. And um, being a nurse, I've been with many of people, well, not many, but quite a few who said uh, CPR, and I've given CPR. And you don't give CPR for over an hour. I mean, it's just unheard of. And so for them to keep giving me CPR is like, who's telling you to do this and why? You know, I keep saying, what, what, the, what is going on? 
but um, the CP, the um, lack of oxygen gave me a brain uh, injury, and it um, caused rigor mortis to begin in my leg, and um, it also pushed me into the autism spectrum, which I already was out just a couple of degrees, but now I'm mild to moderate. So the lack of oxygen moved me into it. And my father was that way. Uh, so it was inherited. So did I answer your question, Jeff? You're doing great. I mean, we're just, okay. we're, it really wasn't a question. We're just talking about what happened. And it okay. appears to me that you could say that you were, you clinically died, right? Yes, clinically died, yes. Uh, I call it DE, death experience, mm -hmm. versus NDE. Right. We know what happened to your body, basically. When did you start having the experience, and what happened? Okay. I was intubated, <clears throat> and my sister was next to me. And I remember, I was trying to talk, and I had all these tubes since I... They had a peg tube in me, and they had all, all kinds of tubes hooked on me. I was in ICU. And I'm trying to tell her, I've got the tubes down my mouth, what's happening. And so the doctor said, well, you're doing good. We're going to rip these tubes out. So they pulled it out. And <clears throat> as raspy as my voice is now, and that's from the intubation, three years, three and a half years ago. So I was very raspy then. And so... She tried to write down what I was saying, and I told her initially I was scared because what I saw um, frightened me. And um, she said, well, like hell? I said, no, not like hell, like, like um, the intensity of the colors and the fact that you're no longer in a 3D world. You know, things aren't flat anymore you are actually traveling through a world that is alive. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, I mean, our world is flat. You're looking at a screen. I'm looking at a screen. This is flat. But can you imagine entering into that screen and all of a sudden you see the, the bubbles and the things and, um, that things that you can't even imagine are, are then in front of you. And so um, I think that was the one thing that frightened me more than anything. It was no longer this 3D world. It was a highly dimensional world. And though we've been there before, when we see it again, it's like, <gasps> you know, you understand what I mean? It's like breathtaking. Mm -hmm. So, um, Here's my book that I wrote, but I might have to follow it because of my head injury. But um, And I want to say here that when we are in our consciousness, we are, when we are in an NDE or DE stage, what I have called it is a bubble. And I like to think of a balloon. And so we are inside of our balloon, our consciousness, okay? And so as we're inside our consciousness, there's no timeline. You've heard that. There's no timeline. So I can bounce over here. It'll be 1957. And I can bounce over here. It'll be 2030. And I can bounce back here. It'll be 1818. And 
And so inside our bubble, because there's no timeline, you can travel any age you want or need to be, okay? When we, when we enter into that bubble and we bounce against the wall, we suddenly enter into a timeline of that bounce. Can you understand that? Mm-hmm. Boom, two. Okay, so we go into that timeline. Okay, so um, in my experience, I wake up, the first thing that I remember, and we're not on a timeline, but my brain has ordered it in a certain direction. Okay, so I remember waking up in a void. Okay, a place of absolute nothingness. There's grayness. There's no gray. There's no color. There's no walls. There's nothing to climb up on. There's uh, no one to speak to. You are alone. And I think this did intimidate me a little bit because I didn't want to be alone at that point. And um, I started to call out. I said, Hi, hello, I'm here. Can anybody hear me? And as soon as I did that, somebody walked over and my journey began. They didn't say anything, but I drew a picture of a, um, I, I draw a lot of pictures there in my book. Um, I drew a picture of a web of what I call pods. And we each have our pod that we go into. And although they're in color in the book, they're not in color in the actual NDE when you're in the void. There is no color in the void. And so <clears throat> this person walks over and immediately I moved into another scene. It's just, you go there by thought. And suddenly I am uh, standing uh, at a mountain, huge mountain range, and there is blood coming down the side of the mountains. And I'm going, my God, am I in hell? I look down on the river and there's brains all in the river. And they're, they're bloody and they're red. I'm going, oh, you know, I'm like, oh my God. And I looked up and there, there seems to be an Asian man. He's very tall and thin and he has a straw hat on. And he has uh, got a cane that he's moving the river with. And um, um, I said to him, am I in hell? And he says, do you think you're in hell? And I said, I don't know. Am I? He says, no, you're not in hell. He says, uh, you are in uh, the, at the cleansing pool. And I said, oh, okay. He says, I clean brains. I clean thoughts. I clean. He says, um, you have to be cleaned before you can go forward. He, he says, like I said, like ascension. And he says, kind of like that. Before you can move up, you must be cleansed. And I said, well, does it hurt? And he said, did it? I said, oh, he had already cleansed me. And so with that, boom, I'm at the next level. And I'll, suddenly I'm standing in the desert, and it's not hot, but it's a desert. And it's gold and orange, and uh, I'm the only being there. And in the far distance, I see a huge boulder, gigantic rock, stone, start moving towards me. It starts moving on its own. And before you know it, it comes and it sits right in front of my feet. And this stone has absolutely no writing on it. There's nothing on the stone. And I'm like looking at it and thinking, what am I, what am I supposed to do with this? 
And all of a sudden, the, the five to six o'clock slice opens up, okay? And I detected, oh, that's five, six o'clock. So it opened up, and all of a sudden, I could see inside of it. And I was like, you're invited. Well, I know in my book, I put a little dog down there, but I didn't see any animals in my NDE. It just kind of made me feel good to um, put one. But I walk inside, and all of a sudden, I'm inside my actual NDE at that point. And so there's a being there, which is that being right there. And um, um, he never, we never speak. Okay, it's all telepathy. And uh, in fact, I wear hearing aids, and I, I kept saying to him, uh, won't you restore my hearing? I can't hear, I can't hear. And he, he said, really, do you need it? And oh, suddenly you don't need hearing, okay? Suddenly you just, you're speaking through vibration, and, and um, I, didn't, I didn't need hearing there, so. Do you really need it? I said, no, I guess I don't. So anyway, he took me immediately uh, to the relics of the earth. And uh, the first place was the most important to me, and it was to the Sumerian tablets. And so I laid my hands on it, and I began to read it. And I was so happy and so thrilled, and I knew at that point in time I had been there in that timeline. That was a part of me. I knew exactly what they said. I knew it was, uh, okay, I'm connecting. I go back to this time period. And um, then from there, he's, he's, come on. Oh, 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 I forgot. Um, the first thing he did, or I think was the first thing, he handed me some sand in my hand. Uh, he was holding it first, and it went through his hand, and it just sparkled. And he, and he handed it in my hand, and he, and he says, look at it. And I looked at it, and all of a sudden, I could see dimensions of dimensions of dimensions of dimensions that are beneath our feet. And they're just like sandy, grainy, beautiful minerals and uh, golds and silvers and ores and, you know, all kinds of precious stones that are beneath our feet. And we take granite for it every day. And um, and so I knew then, oh, my, the earth is a precious place. You know, this is a place not to be taken advantage of, just, you know. So um, he says, come on, let's go. So after we, we uh, flew around, we went to Machu Picchu, we went to the, um, uh, to the. Um, the pyramids? Oh. Uh, Yes, thank you. We went to the pyramids. We went to the pyramids in Mexico. We went to the Grand Pyramids. We went to the pyramids in Mexico. And um, kind of more of a flyby, I believe. That's kind of what I recall. Just, I, was just, I was in such wonder and just, just such magnitude. It was just unbelievable. And um, I guess we went back to the cleansing pool. And he says, are you ready? And I said, well, what? <laughs> and so uh, I spread out my hands, spread out your arms, and we took flight, and off we went, and zoom, um, and we traveled by the speed of thought, 
And so before you know it, we are at, I said, oh, this is Orion's Belt. He says, yes, that's where we're at. You can see Pleiades off in the distance and just looking around, it was just incredible. But what we were, we were entering into was a spacecraft. It was uh, gigantic and there were several of them, but the one we were going into was huge. And so we went in and um, we entered a room that you could see no walls and there were no lights, but there was a table and coming from underneath the table were lights. It wasn't a physical table, but it appeared to kind of be, but I, I can't really remember. But um, he said, have a seat. And I, there was no chair, but I sat down. And as I sat down, in walked five beings. And um, they were not humanoids. They weren't human beings. They were, they were alien. And I said to them, I said, are you alien? And they said, yes. And I said, did you create humans? And they said, yes. So um, the one on the end was very, very tall. She was she, I call her she or he, uh, was the fifth one, extremely tall, uh, very white. It never gave me any eyesight whatsoever. The second to the last one, I can't remember. I'd like to be hypnotized so I could try to remember these. And then the third one I remember had kind of a bluish, like a, like a blue bird, um, those colors. And I kind of remember a beakish mouth and eyes. And then the second one I have no memory of. And then the, last, the one closest to me was very small, looked like a little gray alien with actually a mustache. And he was a uh, very friendly male. Um, and he was the one who was saying, here, have a seat, make yourself comfortable. And uh, he says, we have some questions. Now, I think this is where my review was, but I will be very honest with you. I forgot it if I had one. But I think this is probably it because I have a tendency to forget things that were bad. And so I think probably it was pretty intense. And um, I do remember at the end, they said to me, they handed me a bunch of sheets of paper and they said, read these for us. And, and they were binary codes. And I said, I don't read binary codes. And they said, really? You know, really? And I, you know, and we're not speaking, it's all uh, telepathy. I, uh, they said, look again. I looked at the code, codes and all of a sudden I'm reading binary codes. And so what I figured out those binary codes meant is that they keep a record of all human and animal, all life. And everything is written in a code and everything is in these books. And if somebody calls out in time or place, they know by going to these codes where they are and what time they're in and how to find them. And so um, the binary codes were used for them. As soon as they were, as soon as they were through with those binary codes, they handed me on paper because they said that their computer system was far too advanced for me. So they handed it to me on old computer paper. You know, the old computer paper that we had in the 90s mm -hmm. was on that type of paper. But <clears throat> they took it and burned it on the floor. And I'm like, what? What 
<laughs> and they they had a great a lot of fun with burning that paper on the floor. It was fun to them. I don't know why, but it was. Um, so at that point, they said, "Come on to this other room. Follow us." And so I I did. Okay, I, let me back up here. At first, I didn't know if they liked me. I had a sense, oh, they don't like me, you know. But by the time we finished the binary codes and going into the other room, I knew they were okay with me. They were friendly with me. It was, you know, whatever was, was. And so <clears throat> they then showed me their computer screen, which was enormous and absolutely beautiful. And they showed me star charts. And they said to me, where are we? And I have to back up here to my father, who was a navigator in World War II. And he read star charts. So he navigated the airplane by using star charts. And, and he had not taught me the star charts, how to read uh, constellations when I was a little girl. I wouldn't have been able to say to them, oh, that's Pleiades. Oh, that's Orion's belt. Oh, that's the belt. That's the small belt. That's the Big Dipper. That's a little, you know, I was able to point out, you know, the, the constellations and, and they're going, okay, good. You know where you're at. And so after a while, they said, okay, you're good to go. And they opened the back of the starship and they said, enjoy yourself, you know, take off. And so I said, okay, uh, that's great. But they did send uh, a male with me who um, was just there to make sure, I guess, that I made it back on time or wherever I was going, you know, make sure I didn't get lost. And so I took off and I'm sitting, um, I find, I'm passing nebuluses and I'm going, oh my God, that is just incredible. And just going through, like I said, it's a dimension. It's not a three, you know, it's not a flat three dimensional piece of paper. You're going in dimensions and you're seeing colors that seem alive and that seem like they're speaking to you. and. Um, the whole universe is communicating with you. You're not little person down on the earth. You are a part of it. You are part of this wonderful place. And um, so I get up to somewhere and I am watching what is called the Elohim. And um, it looks like a wand, like, like you would think uh, like a witch's wand or something, but at the end of the wand, it has sparkles coming out everywhere, like all over the end. And as it goes, it's creating a nebuluses thing. It's just, it just plays on the, you know, it just creates things. It's just absolutely beautiful. And it's having such a wonderful time in creation. And it's never making any mistakes. It never makes a mistake. And it's always saying, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? I mean, every, and it could be an ugly nebulous, but it's so thrilled with its creation that's going, isn't that beautiful? And you're going, wow, that is really great. So I knew then that the Elohim was never, ever disappointed with anything that it ever made. And it made me flash back to a time when I knew a little girl that I grew up with who, when she hit puberty, she had a full beard. And, you know, back in those days, when that happened, it was like, you know, it was just horrible. But the Elohim would have said, 
isn't she beautiful? Isn't she gorgeous? And there was never any finger pointing or you should do that. It was just so incredibly wonderful. And that being, a male being that was with me, he'd just smile and say, isn't it great? And I go, yeah, that is really fabulous. And so at some point in time, okay, I could always hear my sister in the hospital room calling me, but I ignored her. I didn't want to go back. But as we were sitting out by the Elohim, her voice got louder or got more clear. And she's going, Bonnie, you've got to come back now. Uh, my deceased mother, we still talk to her all the time. She said, mother's telling me it's not your time. You need to come home. You have animals. You need to take care of these animals. Please don't. Please, please come home. And I started thinking, gosh, I don't want to go home, but I guess I have to. I have responsibilities. And I had five animals. And I couldn't leave, the, and I, I'm by myself, so I can't leave them with my family. So, um, and I didn't want anything to happen to them. So I said, okay, okay. So I came back. Now, I have to tell you that one of the things that I complained about when I got in, into meeting the beings there, uh, um, wherever I met them, I was going, where was my tunnel? Where was my lights? Where was my... You know, why didn't I have angels? Why didn't I have family? I was really giving them, you know, why didn't I have those things, you know? So on my way back, for fun, they sent me through a tunnel about this color, and I zipped on back into my body. And as I was traveling through the tunnel, they were going, don't forget love. Don't forget to love. I'm going, okay, thank you. And so, zoop. I was back in my body, and I had um, been intubated, as I told you. Um, I stayed in the hospital for three weeks. I ended up in um, rehab. And in rehab, one night, about 11 days later or so, I can't remember exactly, I, um, my cardiac enzymes started acting up and started appearing. I was getting feeling like I was leaving again and um, having a bad time. And so um, I was in a wheelchair and I was in my room and um, I, came, I became very, very, very aware that I was not alone and that I was being shielded with lights, like fairy lights all around me. And I drew a picture of it. I put it in my book. There it is, actually. Um, I was sitting in my room and just everywhere and the transporter or the um the uh angel of death if you want to call him that um was there saying to me do you want to go this is your last time this is your offer i didn't have to come back immediately i didn't have to come back and i said to him i think i'm gonna stay and he said, okay. And with that, he was gone. And the nurse came in and she said, guess what? Your troponin levels are normal. And so that was great. And uh, about, oh, about six months after the incident, I was taken 
to the hospital again in another um, emergency in an ambulance. And uh, my oxygen levels had dropped very low. But anyway, since then, I've done much better. And I, I work out daily doing Qigong. That's the only exercise I can do. And um, things have been doing good. Bonnie, thank you for sharing your amazing experience with us. When you first woke up in the void and you mentioned a pod, do you think being in the void is being in a pod? In my mind, it was, yes. Would yes. you say it's like a pod like like the Matrix? <laughs> no, I'm not going to go there. But oh, Oh, I forgot. That was a big part of my NDE. You mentioned the matrix, and um, the answer to your question is yes, yes, like, like, but not scary. Like, I mean, my mind presented a very nice picture, and here somewhere I've got it. But um, <sighs> it is kind of a matrix, and I think whoever invented that movie had some kind of insight. Because in my experience, as I was darting across the sky, um, I could see algebraic formulas go from one star to the other, one planet, one planet. And as a human being speaks or a plant breathes or dog breathes or barks or a fire burns or anything happens, there is always, always, always a mathematical equation, always, that comes first. In other words, I can't speak unless there's a mathematical equation that comes and moves my lips and that the vibration of the air is in a mathematical equation that everything is synced and moving so that somebody hears what I'm saying. Do you think it's possible that in order for us to experience this earthly realm, our consciousness has to enter into and be inside the pod that projects us somehow into this realm? I believe we have a pod that perhaps at death we go into, and in that pod our imagination creates our life or whatever I, I haven't taken it from the pod yet but it's anything is possible you know it's who knows i mean are are am i imagining all this right now it's possible i mean i don't know i mean i would love to tell you that it's god and this and that and i'm not an atheist don't get me wrong i'm not i just it's, I just don't, I can't answer it. I don't know. Do you think mm -hmm. the pod or all the pods are located inside the starship? No. No. I think there would be too many. But I think they're located <clears throat> in another dimension. In another dimension. For instance, now oh, this is kind of bizarre, but when I do Qigong in the mornings, okay, and I don't know if you're familiar with Qigong, mm -hmm. yes. it's a, it's a 
Okay, it's an exercise for those who aren't. It moves energies, okay? And so as I get into the movement of energies and as I get into different levels, you are actually able to see into another dimension. And you can catch it for a few minutes. Do you specifically have that ability because you've yes. had an NDE, but someone like me who hasn't, if I did Qigong, would I still have that ability? I think you could. I think you could. I think um, I think that now that I've told you and working with me or you would be able to do it in time. It took me two years to get to that. So, um, it's possible. And those beings don't look like us either. They're there for, and you might be seeing those beings anyway, and you don't even know it. Well, now that you brought up beings, I want to go back to first, the beings that met your father in the garage. What did those beings look like? Horrible. Horrible. (laughs) They were terrifying terrifying to a child who's my age they um and i wish my daughter were here because like i said she she saw them 20 years after i did um they are extremely tall very thin they are cloaked in black robes and um their faces are well hidden Now, my daughter said she saw a mask underneath its face, and I was too frightened to look. It was threatening, you know. Um, It was in my bedroom. It wasn't in the garage. They came came in through my closet and through the house. There must have been a portal there or something. But um, in my opinion, they were beings of war. Hmm. They were... They were... uh, they were giving him solutions to mathematical problems to invent ammunition. He supposedly was the first American to invent the smart bomb, which I'm not proud of. I don't, you know, I'm not like my daddy invented the smart. It's not that. It's just that that carries a lot of uh, grief. You know, when you think about it, it's not a good thing. And so I believe that those beings are also helping countries uh, manufacture forehead, manufacture um, whatever needs to occur so that we do whatever humanly that we might do to ourselves. And I hope that we never do. the good ones don't want that, but there are some beings that are vicious, and um, I'm sorry to say that I don't like to talk about them, but uh, they they mean business. And uh, I have been regressed twice by two different people to try to uh, remember them. One regression was before my NDE, and the next one I tried afterwards because I thought, oh. Maybe the NDE will help. But um, I got the same message from both um, events, and that was a little gray guy came at the door, very angry, 
And he said to me, you were not invited. Leave now. And I said, okay. I tried it again. Um, it was the same message. You were not invited. Why are you trying to enter here? Leave. And so I, I said, okay, I'm going to leave and I'm never going to try that again. So, um, unfortunately, uh, there are people out there who are saying, bring these beings down, bring them down. Oh, they're all friendly. No, they're not all friendly. They are not all friendly. And um, you must be very careful on who you bring down. When what? I came back from my end, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, when I came back from my NDE, I came back a vegetarian. I don't craziest thing. I came back, um, and I won't get into politics. My politics uh, totally changed. Mm -hmm. And um, there was another thing, and I can't remember what it is, but there was another The being that was kind of like your guide, taking you around to places, what mm -hmm. did he look like? Yeah. Just like oh, that. that okay. <laughs> crystal eyes. Like crystal blue? Crystal blue. Crystal blue eyes. Was he tall? He was, yes. Yes, very tall, very thin. Would you say he very had... Very quiet. Would you say he had blonde hair? Silver. Silver. Whitish silver. Wavy. Short. Um, seems like he was wearing a rounded collar here. Um... Very, he, he never, he, you know, we, we didn't speak with our mouths. We spoke telepathically. Um, yes. And another thing about them is um, they don't, they don't tell us what to do. Okay. They don't, well, you should be doing it this way. And if you're doing something wrong, they don't say to you, you're doing that wrong. They let you follow through with your mistake. Because they realize the only way you're going to make your mistake is when you make your mistake, then you'll learn it. So they do very little of that. I mean, they don't, they don't totally not do it, but for the most part, I mean, I, I can't remember what it was. I asked them a question, and I know I answered it wrong when I was there, and I believed what I said for a long time. And then a few months after, I thought, you know, that's not right. That's not right what I was thinking. So they don't, they're not about correcting you or I. We are on this road to learn as they have learned. And the only way for us to get to our best place is for us to make the mistakes. And um, hopefully, if it's a bad mistake, hopefully they'll be able to steer us and say no 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 don't don't do that it sounded like they kept everything of history in binary codes yes. and would you consider that to be what a lot of people call the akashic records no mm -mm. no um the akashic records are um a conscious library it's a library of consciousness. 
the binary codes, I think they keep them in their own brain. I think they have them in there, but I think that they put them on paper so that I could see, so that I could read them. Um, so that's what I, I don't think that that's, I mean, it might be somehow included in all. I never really thought about it, but um, I think they just store all that record in their, their brain. That's a good question though. Mm -hmm. I have to think on that one. When you were speaking of the Elohim, you described a wand. Was there a being wielding that wand or was the Elohim just they the were. wand? The Elohim is plural for gods. Okay. okay. They they had they had the wand and the wand had little lights, you know, wherever they flashed the lights, lights would fly and light up things. How many of them were there? Uh, probably about five or six at the end of the wands. I mean, how many of how many beings were there that had wands? Oh, just just one. And, and we're talking about a wand, somebody holding the wand, which I didn't see that. Okay, I I just knew that it was being operated by some being. Mm -hmm. um, I'm certain that I didn't see them. Okay, so I'm just assuming it was one or a, or else it was operating on its own. You said that your sister was telling you to come back and you need to come back. Did you ever yes. speak to your sister after your NDE about hearing her voice telling her that? And if so, what did she say? Yes. She said, boy, you need to come back and take care of your animals because nobody else is going to do it. And um, she was right about that. So... Um, my, my my sister, she kind of wants me to get over this, the NDE things. And I think people who haven't had one sometimes don't understand that once you've had one, it's like, what else is there to talk about? You know, you've seen the other side. It's um, work doesn't. Talking about anything doesn't seem interesting anymore. It's when you've seen what you've seen on the other side, it's like, wow, um, I can't believe you don't want to hear it. <laughs> you know, it's, so many people um, don't, they don't believe you or, and that's okay. You're going to have that. I mean, I understand. Um, I've always believed in them, so I've never had that situation, but I can understand um, the scientific community not believing in. That's that's fine. I'm kind of glad that they're, you know, uh, they, they want the fact checkers and that's good. I think what I should have asked is, did your sister tell you like, yeah, you were in a coma and I was trying to tell you to come back? No. Oh, wait a minute. I don't know if she did or not. Uh, we have discussed it. I don't know, Jeff. I just, I just knew it. I knew it. Um, I, I did know that she was writing things down as I was telling her, but then about three months ago, she said, I never wrote anything down. But I remember her saying, I wrote things down. So... I thought, well, she's having memory lapse or something. 
because I remember her saying, yeah, I wrote those things down because she remembered you were very frightened. And I, I knew then I had to tell her why I was frightened because I didn't want her to think I was in hell. I wanted her to know that the magnitude of it is so grand that it'll floor you. I mean, it's not like being here. It's, you're, it, it is just beyond explanation. There's no English words or any kind of words that could to describe what you're going to experience. Did your sister witness any of the beings in your house as a child like you did? No, uh, but she knows about daddy's, um, his ET experiences. However, my sister's the one that has the RH positive blood. I don't know if you're into that. Uh, you know, they, they say people with RH are, are uh, uh, alien produced or, that. you know, yeah. Um, she believes in it, but she did not have the experiences my daughter and I had. So um, my daughter, even though she will deny it, she was in a coma for two months from a car accident, and she woke up from the coma and said, we were listening to the psychic channel that night, and a guy was talking about his NDE, and she woke up from the coma, from being in a coma for two months, almost two months, and she says, I know exactly what he's talking about. I was there. So, um, I think that people, there are lots of people who have um, connections and they are unaware that they are connected. I don't think it's just RH blood. I think some people with autism, I think that um, some people who stay up all night, some people who, um, I, the way that I saw it is that there are so many species that we are all connected to. And people say, oh, well, we're all connected to the light. Well, yeah, we are. But when you think about the light and you put a body of paint around the light, okay, not all those colors get along. I mean, so it's like musical notes. I mean, you go thirds and fifths, you know, to get a chord, but if you hit the two notes next to each other, they don't work. If you get the two colors that are sitting next to each other, they usually clash. So we are um, maybe connected, but there are connected points on the graph that will tell us more of who you are connected to. Am I making sense? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, because let's let's take greens, for example. Um, I got to see anything green here that's uh, getting two greens that, that just don't get along, okay? They, they just don't work well together. But if you put uh, one green with a brownish green, oh, that looks good. But the green in between that did not go with either one, it's going to go with something that's more yellowish or you know, so we all have our uh, DNA, our uh, where we, that little 1% in our DNA that they don't know where we came from, that connection 
in that DNA takes us back to who were we connected, who created us. And it wasn't just one uh, species of um, alien. I mean, they say it was the greys that came and connected us, that uh, invented us because they did away with their their own um, uh, physical makeup, their own body. So they came and created humans so they could once again uh, uh, monitor or work through or live through a body. They, they created a, a cloth body, okay? So I'm getting off a little bit, and I'm probably confusing a lot of people, but um, so we are created by different species. And yes, there's a big light that the whole universe will go zap into one day, okay? Maybe, perhaps. But meanwhile, there are um, various connections that we are more connected to. Do you think that they created us like from scratch or do you think they took primates and accelerated their evolution into what we are today? I think they took primates. That's what I think. I, I'm not for, for certain. Um, I think um, they took themselves, their own DNA, and with um, perhaps a monkey and uh, or what was living about the time. Uh, I, they were here way before the Sumerians were ever here. I mean, there was other races here before the Sumerians. So um, back in those days, who knows, you know, exactly. But they, um, according to the Sumerians, they created us for slave race. You know, um, we get into uh, Anki and Anlil. And uh, Anlil created us for a slave race, and um, that's a that's a possibility. I mean, that's um, that's where I saw I came into this entry into Earth was during that time. And by the way, um, after my NDE, my my whole memory was wiped out. Yet I was pretty familiar with Inky and Anlil. And I remember a, a young woman, I can't remember her name, uh, on the internet sat down with me and she started telling me the story of Inky and Alil. And I began to say, yeah, I remember that story. Yes, I remember it well. And um, it seems to me that that is part of the beginning of human beings. That's just a little part. You know, you get into the Atlanteans and uh, the Lemurians, and mm -hmm. you've got, you know, you're going back, who knows when that was, you know, I mean, was that bird? Was that, what What were they? Um, so uh, I think for the human being, it was probably the Sumerian. Well, I hate saying that. I don't feel right, but it's a possibility. When you were being shown the different structures on earth. Did you learn about the purpose of the Egyptian pyramids? Um, I learned that I was here during that time, yes. Um, and I knew how to read the hieroglyphics. And honestly, since then, 
I look at the hieroglyphics, which I never did before, and I'm like, what does that mean? What exactly does that mean? Um, so I'm looking at it, and um, I can't tell you now what it means, but I believe that it's possible that one day I will know. Have you noticed that you have any new abilities after your NDE that you didn't have prior? I do. Um, prior to the NDE, I would say I was pretty clairvoyant. Uh, after the NDE, some of the clairvoyancy was dissolved. Okay, it was that type of knowing was wiped away. Uh, but there was a deeper understanding of um, or knowingness. For instance, I will read somebody's chart now, which, by the way, in the NDE, in the universe, as I'm flying through, I keep forgetting to bring things up, but um, I don't think I mentioned my book, but there were um, the constellations took on the uh, shape of the astrological constellations. I mean, you could see them. They were old. And to be honest with you, the alien ETs, they used those not to read fortunes, not to, you know, do all that. They're reading it as history. They're a historical lesson. And so, um, back to me, it's so hard to explain. I, I can do somebody's chart now. I'll take 10, 15, 20 hours to do a chart. And uh, I've been cussed out by one woman who said, who said I should not know so much. Um, I, um, I connect. I did somebody's chart a couple of weeks ago. And I am just now calming down from becoming that person because I take on all their senses. I take on their feelings, their energy. I just, it's an empathetic thing. And I, and I really don't like the empathy because you have to feel so much. Um, and um, so that is a giftedness that's more so. There is a knowing, but I will now ask questions before I, I will say, yes, that's, you know, that's going to happen. I, I don't do that. I don't make a prediction. I, that kind of, I don't know. I, I, it's not that I don't like that. I just know I can't do that. If you compare the other world to this world, would the other world be more real and this dreamlike or the opposite this world would be more like on the matrix and the other world would be more like if you were the guys on the in the in the movie the matrix you were uh keanu reeves you were the freedom you were in the free areas uh, so this would be more like you're inside the uh the bylaws and laws and everything that you've been given to live up to the DNA, the 
the uh, structure of it all um, and the DNA as a huge uh, element of, yes, people say they can change the DNA. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, that is our, you know, uh, we, th we talk about our consciousness um, being in a pod and we bring that consciousness into a body with the DNA, the physical, and we, you know, you bring it in and there's, there's a three, a grouping of three, the consciousness, the physical, and then the electricity, you know, the, the energy of it all. And, um, so in the other world, you are not in the electricity of this place. You are in the consciousness and you are in, uh, You're in the consciousness. That's all I can say. Could you say then that this is a simulation that we're in? I hate to say that. I'm going to say I'm going to say yes, but I don't. I don't like the feeling of that because I don't like to think that we are on a computer board and we're, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, gosh, I hate saying that. We're, we're something like that. Uh, we're giving we're given free will, and we're given um, a certain amount of intellect um, that comes through the DNA. We're given, um, you know, we're we're given a a certain amount of insight, and when we put all that together, we do the best that we can do with what we've been given to us. And that DNA is going to uh, really set the road, set the, set the matrix road, because that's connecting us to the right now of this lifetime. That is our, that is your ticket to be here right now. And that's how you got on that road. And let me let me just say this about okay, a baby's in the womb and it needs to be occupied by a soul or spirit or whatever. So uh, there's not just one person or one being that wants to use that baby. There's actually a competition for it, and it's <clears throat> and it's 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 like you see the sperm trying to enter the you know the the womb and and they fight for it. The one who enters uh, creates the child, uh, the infant. Uh, or I, I should, you know, for political reasons, use all the right words, but I'm not going to. But um, so there's this competition of, it's not me, like, give me that body, but it's, do you, do, does the DNA match you? Is the energy right? Is, you know, is this uh, the scenario that you need to uh, develop yourself? Is this right? And so there might be a backing down. Well, no, this this uh, my energy doesn't hit, fit the DNA, uh, or or this lifestyle is not my lesson to learn. So I'm I'm looking for something else. So uh, so you've got five or six, a thousand more who are say, oh no, this will work perfectly for me. So then there's a little shuffle to get in there to the uh, being to become the life. Are we, do we connect with people that we've known before 
there's a possibility. I mean, I'm not going to say that we're not. I mean, are there soul connections? And I believe there are, but um, who's to say? I mean, once you're once you're in that pod, actually, you can pod back to 1812 or 1512, or you can go ahead in the future. I mean, there's not a timeline in there. So who's to say where you're going to jump back to? Can you hold hands with somebody and say, let's go together? That's like sliders, you know, let's slide into the same place. And is that possible? Maybe. Speaking about learning lessons to me implies that we keep coming back over and over again. Is that the way you see it, that we keep reincarnating over and over again? Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's not just, maybe not just to this time, but maybe backwards, maybe forwards. Do you think there's an end point to it? Um, there's a book that we, some of uh, we NDEs read this past summer, and it's called um, Alien Interview, and it was done by uh, McDonald. She was a nurse who did the alien interview at Roswell, and she was a um, in the Army. And it was all her notes from the interview, and they were all nursing notes, and they were all um, military notes. And nobody paid any attention to these notes. Yet the only person that the alien that she interviewed in Roswell only spoke to her. So because she was a woman, it was in the late 40s, in 1947, okay, so she's a woman, and who's going to listen to a woman? And she's in the military. Nobody's going to care. And she's a nurse. Who cares, you know? So they disregarded all her notes. So her notes just came available, I think, in 2012. I could be wrong about that. And I think Mr. Spencer, if I'm correct, was her editor. And he did not want to do it because... Um, he said, she's got to be wrong. She, she can't be right. But I think in the end, he became a uh, believer. Uh, she uh, actually um, chose to take her life in Scotland. Um, she was born a rigid Catholic during this event, and uh, she did assisted death there. Uh, I think she had had some health issues, but before she died, she turned over this information so that we have, we would have it. And again, the name is, I believe it's Alien Interview. And uh, about uh, four or five of us who are NDEs read it. We said, oh, wow, this is, this is incredible stuff. And um, I recommend it, highly recommend it. Um, it talks about the alien tells her, and this goes back to your question, um, the reason that human beings, um, have to reincarnate so much is because we were placed here as a punishment by different galaxies and by different planets. So we're from all over. None of us would obey them because they totally mind their whole, um, how they live. Nobody, everybody lives um, equally there, um, and you do as you're told. So all of us here on Earth 
did not do as we were told. So we were there was a punishment put on us. And that is you are going to live out your lives over and over and over and over because we're not going to allow you to understand who you are. And if we understood who we are, we would be the finest race of all times because we are like, I mean, we are actually phenomenal. We're like gods. Um, we have the abilities as they do, as the aliens. Uh, they just didn't like us because we do not fit their norms. So we were sent here. And so they put that reincarnation thing into place over and over and over. And uh, according to this alien, he was telling her how to stop it, but it would take the entire human race to stop it. How would that happen? Yeah, good luck. Good luck is right. That's what, and, and, and so it's like, okay, we're doomed here, folks, unless we all get in here together. And um, we're not talking about politics. We're talking about love and it's basically love and it's taking care of the earth, taking care of the animals, taking care of everything that's been given to us. All right, Bonnie, I'm going to switch gears with us. You've showed us okay. your book. What is the title and where can we get it? Okay. Also, this is my book. The name is My Near-Death Experience to Orion's Belt Escorted by Extraterrestrials. Bo Jin is my nickname. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. And today through Sunday, I have freebies. Um, for those of you who care to get one, I believe they're set up now. I did that because I'm on your podcast. And if you love it, please write me a wonderful review. <laughs> um, so that is about all I can say. It's very short. It's only like 40 pages. But I have, um, since my NDE, uh, I had an art therapist friend who kept saying, you need to draw this. And I kept saying, "I, this is over my head. This, you can't draw 5D. She said, well, just draw what, uh, what makes you, gives you a hint of what you experienced. And I said, okay, I can do that. I could, I could give hints, but there, it would be impossible to draw. Yeah, it's impossible for me to tell you. And other NDEs too. It's impossible. I mean, you you just can't you can't explain a five. I can't. It's like being in a hologram, you know. And uh, so that's it. But thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for being here. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you. Are you open to that? Yeah. Sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. What's the best way to reach you? Okay. If you're on Facebook, um, I'm Bojin Jennings, or you can reach me at my uh, near-death artworks on Facebook, near-death artworks, or you can re reach me at Jennings at gmail.com. Bonnie, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? As I flew in through that purple tunnel, about the color of this, very joyfully, 
they were saying, don't forget the love. Don't forget the love. People with autism like myself, that's very hard. So it was, don't forget the love. So that's, that's what we can't forget. Bonnie, thank you for that message. And thank you for being my guest. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Likewise. Bye, everybody. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.